Ladies and gentlemen, it's late on a Monday evening. It's been a hard day of work for some of us, for many of you, I imagine. But we're back. The World Cup is over. Oh. Rip. 2018, FIFA yep. World Cup Russia. Mm-hmm. It was a great tournament. We had a great time covering it. But we're here. New kits have been released. New players have, have signed. signed. The oh. ink is fresh on the contracts. But something that will always stay the same is the combo around this microphone. Nathan Strauss, Caleb Broads, and Nick Vinden are back with a Premier League preview podcast for Corner Kick Media. And we're going to take you through the whole league, top to bottom, um, starting with the reigning champions, the Blues, the Citizens, Manchester City, Pep Guardiola's project. How can they top what they did last season? Running away with the Premier League, 106 goals for, 27 against. 100 points, right? 100 points even. Is that the record? I believe... I think that's the record. I believe it was, and they also... You know, the second place team was United, finishing 19 points off. That's six wins and a draw. You know, that's, that's ridiculous. So what, what can they do, and what have they done to reinforce their squad so far? So they brought in Riyad Mahrez for... 60 million. 60 million. 60 million. He's their record signing. Is which, really, which is five, ridiculous. Five million more than Raheem Sterling, the man who shares his position. Right. So what we have to talk about with Man City is the fact that the Riyad Mahrez signing certainly reinforces the belief to me that they'll be looking to once again try and win the Champions League, which I imagine is what they brought Pep Guardiola in to ultimately do. Even though he hasn't been in a Champions League final since his time at Barcelona. Right. And in my mind, uh, winning the Champions League is much more important than winning the league. And I think... Really? No. (laughs) Even, I think that if Pep Guardiola goes this season without winning the Champions League, then I think his time at City is, for some reason, would almost be up at that point. Like, I think Pep Guardiola does not have the kind of personality or traits as a coach to make him want to stay at one place for very long. I think he likes to go, go to one place, instantly implement his tactics and his vision. But if he doesn't see results, like similar to what happened to him at Bayern, he's not going to stay for very long. And yeah, City could walk away with the league again this year if they wanted to, and if they can, you know, stay injury free, and if no team aside from Liverpool can figure out how to play against them. Yeah. But I think that eventually Champions League is what he's going to be judged by his Champions League success, and that's certainly know, what he was season, judged on right. at Bayern. Yeah, I right. think, and, and we'll touch on this a little bit later. Maybe is, I think Mourinho is about to have a lot worse season, and so <laughs> that actually distracts from whatever you know, pains or issues City are going through. Um, I, I think, was this Guardiola's third year now? Yeah, Champions League has to be his goal, and he'll want to do better than last year where he kind of flamed out against Liverpool. But I think luckily there will be other distractions in the press that might aid him. I think you do have to say, though, they've really failed this summer in bolstering their midfield. Um, you know, Fernandinho is, what, 33 or 34 He's now? David Silva is 32 almost 33, and they've seen pretty much all of their midfield targets go to all of their Premier League rivals. Right, yeah. so they've been surprisingly <laughs> flustered in this transfer market. Yeah. They were pretty public in their pursuit of Italian midfielder Jorginho yep. from Napoli, and they failed to get him He's after he signed Chelsea. Chelsea, who we'll get to. Um, and I think they still need a defender 
and the center midfielder to be truly as competitive as they were last season, especially if they want to compete on a more serious front in the Champions League. I, I mean, I think weirdly enough, this also reinforces my earlier point about Pep Guardiola and longevity. Because I think that if he really were looking to make City his long-term home, he would look to sign, you know, a Max Meyer or another similar type of young center midfielder who can then, you know, take over the helm or take over the reins, rather, from Fernandinho. And, I mean, they do have Bernardo Silva who can play in that sort of volante, um, you know, David Silva role from the midfield. And Phil Foden. And Phil Foden, who, you know, if it were up to me, would certainly be getting a lot of minutes this season in, mm-hmm. in less meaningful games. But it is sort of questionable. City's transfer activity, um, you know, probably overpaying for Riyad Mahrez, but also, you know, that's the market that we're in. That's true. Should we move on? Because we've got, you know, 20 teams to get through today. Only 19 more. Only 19 more, though, which is your loss, I suppose. Um, <laughs> Man- Manchester United. Should be happy we're not doing a Bundesliga podcast. <laughs> sure, there's only 18 teams there. So you are you are blessed with 20 20 teams. teams. That's a e- nice they, even round. You know, order. really, we should be doing the championship where there's 24 teams, and that yeah. way you get more bang for your buck, yep. so to speak. It's true. Um, Speaking of bang for your buck, can we talk about Jose Mourinho and his lack of spending this summer? Hey, they bought Lee Grant. <laughs> the goalkeeper from Stoke. And they also have been equally as flustered as Man City this season, having brought in Fred as their biggest name acquisition. And the weird thing about Fred, and it wasn't something that I initially realized, is that he is a left-footed center midfielder. Matic is also a left-footed center midfielder. So it's... It, I don't know. Matic is going to be out for... Uh, the first, month, the first so. month or two or so after surgery, but still, I see your point. The point is, it just seems like they're kind of like overlapping in their niche without really, you know, developing the team at all. Like, sure, he's a little younger than Matic, you know, and sure, they kind of stole him from Man City, so there's some kind of like brownie points there. But in terms of it actually turning this team from a team that struggled to score goals as much as they finished, they finished in second place, but they had 38 fewer goals scored. Than Manchester City, and I'm not sure Fred really solves that problem, right? Yeah, and I think, you know, I try I try not to take too much away from preseason games, even though I'm one for getting, you know, hyped about something. I small. think you can take a lot away from, especially Jose Mourinho's comments after the four-one loss to Liverpool. Yeah, when he came out and he just completely criticized his youth players, he was like, oh, poor Alexis Sanchez having to play with the team around him that he was playing for. He was giving like, Martial shit for, uh, he, for having a child. <laughs> yeah. And we've been saying this about Mourinho since you know, we started this whole project a year and a half ago. Like, really, he doesn't have the man management skills in the long run that when, like, when his team is not doing well, he's not the kind of person that inspires a lot of faith from players. And I think it's, you know, it's... Odd Shark Today, which is a, a betting and gambling site, um, has Jose Mourinho as the first, as the odds-on favorite to be the first Premier League manager to be sacked. Yeah. And if any of you listeners are betting fans, um, I would make that bet. Right. Uh, and it's the, pretty clear that he's acting, he's in his last line of defense, which is when he starts blaming everyone. And there's historical precedent behind it, the fact that the three-year, he, plan. The three-year <laughs> plan, and the fact that he was at Chelsea for two and a half years, a club that were, where he really built that reputation, and we thought yeah. it might be for a long time. And we mentioned on this podcast before about how Pep Guardiola is sort of building this dynasty 
at Manchester City, or that's what he's set out to do, and we think he, if he is given the time and if he has the success, that he's, he will be able to do that, mm-hmm. especially with the style of football, which I'm sure will linger a long time after Pep Guardiola is gone from Man City and like the impact that he has on youth football. But Jose Mourinho, there is no aspect of a dynastic power when it comes to him. And the, and the thing is, it's a really big problem when the most toxic person in the dressing room is your manager. Right. Right? Because it's one thing that you can get rid of a player, but you don't really want to like take down the captain. Do you blame Anthony Martial for wanting to leave Manchester United? I don't. No. I mean, or Pogba. I, I, think you or can, Pogba. I think you can look at how many players' careers have stagnated at Manchester United over the past two seasons. Because I remember when you know Mkhitaryan. Marcus Rashford, sure, yeah, Mkhitaryan is an obvious example who ended up, you know, he's he's having he should be enjoying a bit of a revival at Arsenal this season. But you know, Marcus Rashford was fresh and energetic. And, you know, he was a real bright spot for United supporters. And he's really been sort of forced out of the starting 11 or forced into an unfamiliar position on the right wing. They're very, they're very much misusing him. They're misusing and often just not using at all Anthony Martial, who's a very talented player. And, you know, he can blame Mourinho completely for not being in the France squad, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. So. And then there's also just, and there's like lots of weird things you've had, like Daily Blind kind of got randomly frozen out. The right. one player who's been frozen out but hasn't seemed perturbed at all has actually just been Luke Shaw, who's happy to eat donuts on the bench pretty yeah. much. And um, Lindelof was signed, and then when he was bad, Mourinho was like, oh, well, I'd never actually seen him yeah. play. And I'm like, then why are you <laughs> signing him? I don't know. There's so much that doesn't make sense about his like mental approach to the game. And while I agree that you can't really take too much away from the on-field display of the 1-4 loss to Liverpool in the ICC, I think you can take away a lot from what Mourinho is saying, because that's permanent. Well, let's look at how like Klopp approaches these friendlies, talking about the positives of playing youth teams in these big ICC matches, versus Mourinho talking about, like, well, we oh, get, yeah. we're screwed playing all these youth players. Imagine, so it's, it could be a rough season, for Manchester United, both yeah. in the transfer market and in Premier League form. And but speaking yeah. of having a rough time so far in the transfer market, the one and only Tottenham Hotspur making a grand total of zero signings. And it's sort of interesting because, you know, when we've talked off the air, um, we have sort of discussed about, you know, how do you make us this Spurs team better? And in my opinion, it's kind of hard to make this Spurs team any better in, in a weird way. And obviously, like, I'm biased as an Arsenal fan. But they've sort of capped out. They, no, they've maxed they've, out their potential really, yeah. completely. I think they're right? waiting to see what happens in the Toby Alderweireld saga, whether or not he's going to leave, whether or not he's going to stay, and to a lesser extent, whether or not Moussa Dembele is going to stay. I mean, I mean, but I mean, you have Dembele, who's now 31 or 30, yeah, and you like have, that. so you know, the, their biggest name that they've been pursuing is Andre Gomes, which should tell you a lot. And they haven't even, in my, in, from what I've read, made a formal offer for him yet. Well, they're not going to is, now. I mean, right. So it sort of shows a lack of ambition on behalf of Daniel Levy, um, who's a notoriously uh, tight-fisted uh, executive. And... Um, I don't know. It doesn't bode well for them. They're moving into their new stadium, which is which oddly shaped, <laughs> to say the least. It looks a little bit like a toilet seat. Right. Um, but we've okay, seen... Okay, just, just on that note, <laughs> I, I bet if you looked at a lot of stadiums from the top down, you could make them... You could, like, imagine it as a toilet seat, right? 
So, I don't know. I think this is just a little bit of people, like, wanting to shit on Spurs well, and getting their way. What? Why wouldn't you want to shit on Spurs? No, but my, my point is simply, it's like, I can, any team could make a stadium, but I could be like, oh, I, I could definitely I overlay a toilet seat over that. I don't know, This man. one is most, pretty blatant. This most, one is pretty blatant. Yeah. No, no, this one would be more blatant, but, like, okay. <laughs> a stadium. <laughs> it is a oval ring. With a hole in the middle. Like, that's pretty... I don't know. It's, got the, it's, got, the, it's, got, the, it's got the inspiring name of Tottenham Hotspur Stadium as okay. well. Oh, really? Yeah. That's <laughs> really unfortunate. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, Spurs... And also, we saw how West Ham dealt with moving into a new stadium, which, as to say, not well at all. Yeah. So there's definitely a... Credit should be given to Spurs. They started a little slowly last year playing at Wembley, and right. they were able to pick Step it up. up. So I think, I think they're a team. But I think, Nathan, your point is right in that they are really starting to top out, which is a difficult place for Pochettino to be. The only X factor, I think, is if Lucas Moura just turns into an absolute beast this year. Or Lamella, finally fit after a while, can provide some like real attacking yeah, impetus. Which is true, because I think they had a lack of depth coming off the bench towards the end of the Right, but season. now they have sort of two more wingers. Right, oh, and really they're really going to need them, too, because Huenmin San has an interesting situation in that mm. if his team does not win at the Asian Games... This, uh, I believe this August and September, he has to do two years of mandatory uh, military service. Which I'm sure he'll find some way. No, no. He, he cannot. No, he's already so exhausted. He's really exhausted every possible avenue. And to not do it would be a huge source of shame, both for him and his family, et cetera, because, you know, it's an honor-based society. That's There's a really good a feature article on it that came out during the World Cup. So essentially, they're going to need that depth. Um, and Korea, Korea aren't going to win the Asian Games. They might. I mean, who? who Japan. Japan. Just go by World Cup. Perform- Actually, I guess I guess technically South Korea did beat Germany. But the point is, they're <laughs> they're still pretty. Anything awful. can happen. You know what they say? What happens in the Asia Games stays in the. What? I don't know. Okay, let's go. Let's, let's continue. Going. Liverpool. Liverpool. Liverpool have have been they've been, they've been making moves. Nick, tell me about the moves that have been made. So many moves. So many moves. Jesus. Oh, that is a lot of moves. All right, so let's start with the ins. Uh, like we mentioned in the last podcast, but I'll slow down my tone of voice because I was sort of rushing tempo. through it last time, my yes. tempo. Um, we've signed Fabinho and Nabi Keita to bolster our midfield options after Emre Shan um, left to go be a Gucci model with Juventus in Italy. And Cristiano. And Cristiano. Um, they're signing a whole host of Gucci models over there. So many. Um so I think Nabi Keita has betted incredibly well. He's looked a real player in the midfield, um, both from a defensive perspective and an offensive perspective. Mm-hmm. I think Fabinho, it's been a while since Liverpool have played with a true defensive midfielder. I think Henderson played that position well last season, but perhaps doesn't have the defensive pedigree as Javier Mascherano did mm-hmm. when he played yeah. in that role. Or even like or Chabi Chabi Alonso. Alonso. Yeah. Chabi yeah. Alonso. Um, I think the player who has stood out the most so far has to be Jordan Shakiri. Such a uh, savvy sign. Very yeah, savvy very signing savvy at thirteen million. If we talk about the market today, yeah, and the fact that players like Jordan Shakiri, Felipe Anderson is going to West Ham. We'll talk about him later, but he's going to yeah. West Ham for forty-six plus million. The fact that Jordan Shakiri, a Premier League proven winger, can come to Liverpool for thirteen million is mm-hmm. incredible. Yep. In and time he like this. scored a bicycle kick. He scored yeah. a bicycle kick against Manchester United in his first time ever playing so, in the Liverpool shirt. So I think there's... Uh, the fact that he was able to uh, come to Liverpool training and 
um, in four days' time be able to play his first game shows yeah. you a lot about his ethics, especially since that was coming into question at Stoke City, yep. the laziness factor. And the biggest signing, in my opinion, in this entire transfer window is Allison Becker. The fact that Liverpool saw their man, went out, splashed cash, got him. Oh, Loris Karius, what happens to him now? He'll go on Loris Karius is still going to be the number two. I think Simon Mignolet... No, uh, because Simon, no, Simon Mignolet is going to Besiktas. Is that for real? He is... It's the rumor. Going to Besiktas. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I think that the huge transfer fee, the world record fee, puts a lot of pressure on him. And I think nah, he's Liverpool... Good. He's I, good. I, no, I think he's good. But I think Liverpool has not been like a super hospitable place for keepers no. over the past 10 years. Like, you really go back to Pepe Reina, I think, to the last consistent keeper. And Mingle... Because we haven't had, had a good keeper. Well, I mean, you had Mingle, hey. you had a, a breakout season. Hey, you've gotten rid of some damn good keepers this summer. You got rid of Adam Bogdan. <laughs> you sent him on loan to Hibernian. And we have um, that young keeper as well, Camille Grabara, who started against Manchester United. So he might be the number two, and he's been given the chance. Yeah. Um, Danny Ward was let go this summer, which I was sad to see that he never got a fair shake. You in got the 12 team. and a half. For yeah. That's, that's decent. That is decent. I mean, he'll tilt, he'll inherit, you know, the Casper Schmeichel. Yeah, whenever Casper Schmeichel yeah. leaves. That's but I am just pleased that Liverpool, for the first time in a long time this summer, have seen their targets. There's been no fuss, no muss, no coconuts. Except whatever for your expression is. the Nabil Fakir saga. Which, whatever. I don't really need Nabil Fakir for yeah, it to be successful. Yeah, yeah, I don't successful. need Nabil Fakir. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. <laughs> I mean, I don't understand where Nabil Fakir comes in and improves our starting 11. So, yeah, it's true. And yeah. I think Jordan Shakiri will be more willing to sit on the bench and be patient. Yep. And he's... I mean, you're going to have 55 games this year. Okay. He's just as talented. So I think Liverpool have done exceptionally well. I think we are the closest challengers to Manchester City. Yeah. The atmosphere surrounding the club is incredibly positive. So positive. Jurgen... <laughs> <laughs> Jurgen Klopp, uh, this is the season for him to really go out and, and get it done and get some silverware. Yeah. And speaking of silverware, a team that, in my opinion, will not be challenging for any silverware is Chelsea. Oh, last year's what? No, continue. I'm just ugh, in disgust. Yeah, so Chelsea have done nothing to um, overcome their stereotypes. Their transfer record so far this window reads: twenty-two players loaned out, two players sold, one on a free, and one for three point five million, and one well one paying transfer in in Jorginho from Napoli, which is a great transfer, and obviously the the head coach change yeah um, didn't. And his, his, his brand of football is very appealing on the Sorry. eye. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a really positive, at least in terms of like on-field play, because Antonio Conte's soccer was getting a bit stale towards the end of yeah. his tenure at Chelsea. Uh, here is the issue. I don't think if Caleb said this the other day, we have a corner kick group chat to sort of like pull the curtain back a little bit. He said this in our group chat about the fact that if I was a star player, say in Serie A, who knows of Maurizio Sarri, I would be waiting to go to Chelsea only if Eden Hazard and Thibaut Courtois remained in London. And I think the odds of both of them remaining are incredibly, incredibly slim. Yeah. I, in my opinion, Hazard will probably stay. Um, I think Courtois is almost certain to move to Madrid. Uh, and reports have had, you know, they've agreed on a price. And they've agreed on personal details. So I think they're just waiting to get the paperwork done, all the... You know, they're dotting the T's and dotting the I's and crossing the T's. Yeah. Now, Chelsea have so massively mismanaged this summer. 
by dragging their feet on the future of Conte, dragging their feet on the futures of Hazard and Courtois. And it's really, really... Like, Jorginho gave, did them a real solid by turning down City to come to them to follow Sarri. Um, and he's looked really good. He, he had, like, 100 passes in, like, a half. Yeah, yeah, average has has every twenty seven yeah, seconds or yeah. something. So like, so he's good. He can pass, but the problem is if there's no one around him who can score, right? Yeah, and, and Murata has looked decent so far in preseason. Yeah, but and there are the rumors about Higuain and whether that's going to happen. Yeah, but I don't and know. if they need to do that, they need to do that quickly because the window closes August 9th. I think Chelsea are kind of like the opposite of Tottenham this summer, and while Tottenham are just like complete stasis, Chelsea are just so out of whack even though not that much has actually happened. Right, and I'm going to use this to do a quick interlude on Chelsea's just horrible transfer policy. It really makes no sense that their bench is full of players like David Zappacosta and Emerson Palmieri. When they have the equivalent players in, you know, Nathaniel Chaloba and Ruben Loftus-Cheek and all these... Quick question. Yeah. Is Trevor Chaloba... Yes. Chaloba's brother? Yes, I believe... I think so. Wow, that's precious. Um, but, I mean, Chelsea have, you know, what should be the best youth system in England. They've won, I think, three consecutive youth FA Cups. Yeah. And they produce just an insane amount of talent. Well, the turnover from coach to coach every two or three years isn't going to do good things for your youth talent. And all these coach, Italian coaches, Every too. coach is yeah. going to want to bring in players to immediately satisfy their brand of soccer. And they're going to want to bring in proven players to satisfy their brand of soccer. I know, but tell me where, like, Danny Drinkwater fits in. In this Chelsea squad, or Ross like because right, because uh, yeah, because right now what it looks like to me is that Chelsea's squad is just full of above average, but by no means exceptional talents, except plus for Hazard. Hazard. Plus Hazard, <laughs> and you know, Willian also could be set to move. Um, I think Real in, Madrid are like in order for these young players to get a chance at Chelsea, there needs to be someone like a Jurgen Klopp or a Pep Guardiola at the helm of this club who is willing to commit to a long term future at Chelsea and set their brand of football in a way that is progressive and in a way that they can actually build a solid foundation at that club. Although, I will say this to the Pep Guardiola point. Sorry, Caleb. Um, Manchester City Academy graduates only played 106 minutes in the Premier League last year. What I'm saying is Chelsea don't have a vision. I don't know what the vision for Chelsea is. I would agree with that for sure. Yeah. I know what the vision for Liverpool is. I know what the vision for Manchester United is. I know what the vision for Spurs is, regardless of whether or not they perform well in the transfer market, regardless of whether or not they promote their youth players in in their senior teams. I know whenever Tottenham, Liverpool, or Man Man City step out on the field, I know what they're going to do. Yeah. Yeah, you do. I don't know what Chelsea are going to do when they step out on the soccer field. Yeah, Moving on. I agree. Moving on. Uh, Arsenal have been doing some good business so far in the window. Uh, if you want a more in-depth look on Liverpool's transfer window so far, we do have an article. You mean Arsenal's? No. I, I, well, I was going to do, I was gonna do Ars- Liverpool and then Arsenal. Well, mine is not about really a Liverpool transfer window thing. And it talks about the vision for the future. That's true. Yeah, okay, we can cut this. Yeah, uh, we'll cut yeah. it. Continue. continue. So, Arsenal... Um, They've been doing some good, good business this window, in my opinion. <laughs> Getting a proven winner and a backup right back and Stefan Lichsteiner on a free, which is good because we really only had one right back. Um, getting Burned Leno is an interesting transfer. Um, he was fairly affordable at just under £20 million from Bayer Leverkusen, and he should be the number one keeper this year for Arsenal. Uh, after Czech made the most errors leading to a goal of any player in the Premier League last season. Bringing in Socrates Papastadopoulos is the only uh, 
transfer that, in my opinion, is a little risky, in that he's soon to be the wrong side of he's soon to be the wrong side of thirty, mm-hmm. and hasn't looked at his best the past two seasons. But we needed a defender nonetheless. My favorite transfer that Arsenal have made in the past three seasons, Lucas Torreira, uh, a Wait, studly more 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 than Arsenal was four years ago. Obama Yang. Lacazette. Lacazette. Mkhitaryan. I, I think he's more... Impre- Alexis Sanchez? The most impressive transfer of this summer. Lucas Torreira. Um, for Arsenal? For Arsenal. Okay, good. I was going to say the most impressive transfer in the window. No, I, no, <laughs> no, no, no. For Arsenal. So Lucas Torreira um, coming in at 26.5 million pounds. Coming off of a really good World Cup for Uruguay and a really breakout season for Sassuolo. Uh, for Sampdoria, rather. In Serie A. He should fill the hole that Santi Gazzorla left. Um between his injuries and now his departure on a free. So he's going to start on the bench. Well, no. So what he does, what he, <laughs> what he provides is he's a two-footed player um, who's good, very, very solid defensively, has a great passing range, and is a good shooter from long range. Do you know who else has that? Shaka. He's, they're very different players, really though. Different. Do you know who else players. has that? Shaka thinks he can tackle, but he can't right. actually no, tackle. No, Shaka is more of a, a passer, and Torreira is more of a box-to-box player. Why should Torreira start over El Neni? Because oh, Torreira's a better player. Is he better? Elneny is a bad player. Yeah, I would... I would I mean, I'm just skeptical about Lucas Torreira. I just so don't I think know enough about I think he should no, wait and see. I think, I think he's actually good. I think he's they good. Do? No, I think yeah. Torreira is going to fill the same role that Nabi Keita is going to fill for Liverpool. Exactly. Or that Conte fills for Chelsea. Exactly. Or Ndidi fills for Leicester. How dare you? Just say Conte I'm, is as good as... No, I'm talking, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about... I'm talking about... I'm talking about the role itself. In that okay. he's an energetic player who will run and press and pass and shoot and is a generally smart player, um, and I think he still has room to grow. He's still very young. Okay. And the, speaking of young players, Guendouzi. Um, Matteo Guendouzi has been Arsenal's player of the preseason. Like in a very weird way, I he's a youth player who I've never heard of, which says a lot because I do I spend a lot of time playing football manager. You know, he's one of the holdouts from like Wenger's list of no, like this, young players. This people. is an example of like. The, this is like the only Unai Emery transfer I see, right? It's like he had one year of experience in League Un, and he was like, this Guendouzi guy, I like him. And then now he's at Arsenal. He was playing League Two. He's playing League Two, yeah. but I don't know. Yeah. It, 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 it's a good I, signing. It's he's, a, he's like a small Rabio. Yeah, exactly. And I think he's a lot of room to grow. Um, in an Arsenal side that's going to be playing in the Europa League this year, he should have plenty of games to play. Yeah. Um, and if he can develop into you know a solid player... At eight million, that's a bargain. And he I think he'd be the player that Jack Wilshere wasn't. Pour one out for our boy Jack Wilshere. We'll, we'll get to we'll him. Get to him. him. Yeah, but we'll him I think Arsenal will have a good thing going, especially since Mesut Ozil is now fully committed to club soccer. We don't have to get into why that is. Um, oh, we'll have we'll have a piece on that. And later. Lacazette and Aubameyang seem to be getting along very well, and there's no real competitivity for that the striker spot. Yeah, it's true. It's so a, I think yeah. Arsenal are set to have a very competitive season in the Premier League. Yeah, I'm actually really looking forward to this season. Yeah, moving on to a team that really has not done anything, <laughs> literally has not done anything. They, 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 to give a sense of how little they have done, their transfer balance, which is like net money in and out, <laughs> is <laughs> literally pounds. zero dollars. They have signed no one, and they have released a number of people. Right, that's it. Which is an issue because they're looking to compete in the Europa League for the first time in a long time. Yes, they are. They're, People were so excited about Burnley making the Europa League that bars in where 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 I mean it's Burnley in the Midlands in the Midlands bars in the Midlands like changed their name to like the Deutsche oh, Bar, right. right? 
And now and Burnley just struggled to a one-one draw in their Aberdeen. against Aberdeen in their in their qual in their Europa yeah. League qualifiers. Except they're they're uh, they went down for eighty-one minutes. Too, yeah. for, for. But they have that home leg, so I assume they'll get past Aberdeen. But Burnley, I think, again another club in the Premier League that is One struggling to make struggling to make transfers. Yeah, I think the we're starting to see that the early deadline, especially after the World Cup. Is really it's hindering teams. Really, really difficult. Okay, Everton. Everton. Oh. One transfer so far. But it was a good one. In. Oh, but it was quite a transfer. It was. Oh, it was Richarlison for $40 million. What the f***? <laughs> yeah, this is wild. <laughs> wild. Okay, Richarlison. He's like... He didn't do shit after November. Yeah, he essentially scored like five goals in his first like three games in the Premier League. And everyone was like, ah, he's Brazilian. And then he didn't do anything else yeah. for the rest of the year. And he, like, he scored a dope goal this week in a preseason friendly. And Everton, like, I don't understand what their preseason strategy is. This is my one <laughs> little thing at Everton. Everton are like, yo, let's play this pub team in Austria. And whip them, fifth division whip them 22 to nothing. Because, you know, that'll do great things to foster competitivity yeah. in the Everton squad. It did. Yeah. It did. Kevin Baralash, who I guarantee you will not have a place in the squad. He scored, like, four goals in that game. Yep. Apparently, uh, yeah, he's going on loan to Greece. They've been doing, like, a tour of, like, second division France, Everton, and, like, beating all of these, like, second division French teams. It, it makes zero sense. I don't understand the Richarlison signing. Marco Silva, I think, is... He's gone wacky. He's... Well, he's, he's, he's not a good man. I don't think he's a good coach. So... I actually disagree with that. I think he is a good coach. I think the Richarlison transfer makes some bit of for sense. For $40 million? It's market price. I mean, it's it's Sigurdsson.0. We Jesus. saw how that worked out. Well, so no, $40 I think, million no, so for a last player year, who scored last five year, goals no. and assisted four times no, and didn't do anything year, after November? Last year, That's Everton had a problem because they kept trying to shoot. You might as well sign me. Not Ben me. You mean Nick. Yeah. Last year, Everton had a problem in that they kept trying to shoehorn in Wayne Rooney into a starting lineup, and they played him in center midfield. They well, they didn't have a striker. Top. They didn't replace Lukaku. Right, which and was they their still problem. haven't replaced Lukaku. Well, no, I think that they're going to do fine this year. I they think haven't they're replaced. About, they're about to bring in Digne, which I think is a smart transfer. Oh, uh, that's true. That's a good transfer. And you know, yeah. the, if they can add a center back, and they've been heavily linked to Yerry Mina, which I think would be a really good transfer yeah. for them. They could have a Barcelona in defense. I mean, exactly. And Richarlison playing on the left will let Sigurdsson play in his preferred number 10 role. Like, I think last season, they sort of scrambled after losing Lukaku, who was their main source of offense for They still haven't years. replaced yeah. Lukaku. I think, I think since David Moyes left, we've seen Everton try to be a very cosmopolitan team, but they just aren't a very cosmopolitan club. And that's why a lot of things haven't worked out. Like, Davy Clausen, they just sold him to Werder Bremen and took a loss. They bought him for right. 24. They sold him for 12. And he scored um, the same day he was sold for Werder Bremen, which is yeah. kind of interesting. And the part of the reason he failed is that they signed Sigurdsson and Rooney and him in the same window. And right. Sigurdsson and Rooney were both higher-profile players. And so it was just, I don't know. They've sort of prioritized having as many nationalities in their squad rather more than they should prioritize actually having a squad that works. I mean, they do have Cenk Tosin, who presumably will be their starting striker. Yeah. yeah. They also have Yannick Bolasi, who was injured for a large portion of last year. I mean, I mean, they'll be fine. I yeah, guess, and I mean, Theo Walga, the ageless wonder. And I think they have Michael Keane, who I think is a bit overrated in defense. Leighton Baines is He's going, going to that. Leighton Baines is going to the MLS. So um, this team, I, I think it's not balanced as 
as balanced as they'd hope. I think they still need to do some work late in the transfer window to get this team yeah. uh, into yeah. the place that they want. I think the signings that they made last season will adjust to being at Everton a bit more, so they'll do a bit better. Um, but I think they'll be underwhelming it again. Yeah. Should we move on to Leicester? Leicester? Yeah. I think they have, Leicester have had an okay window. I think they have they signed Johnny Evans. He's a very capable defender from West yeah. Brom. Mm-hmm. Uh, Who had been linked to United and Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ricardo Pereira, who's a good defender from Porto. James Madison, who's a very promising English midfielder from North City. The price tag might be a bit much at 24, but English players go for a premium. Yeah. And when you, wake, when you make $60 million yeah. from, from Mahrez, you can mm-hmm. afford to yeah. splash the cash. And so far, they haven't... They bought Danny Ward. They bought Danny Ward. Which indicates that Schmeichel's probably going to go to Chelsea. To I assume, replace Courtois, I assume presumably. Rob Green isn't going to be... Starter. <laughs> starter. Yeah. That's a pretty funny transfer. Oh, we didn't hit on Rob Green. Green. I mean, no, but that's, that's, that's all you need to know about Rob Green. Yep. Yeah. Right. If you don't know who Rob Green is, look up USA <laughs> versus England in the 2010, 2010 World, World Cup. Cup, and you'll know who Rob Green is. So the thing is. is, you actually do know who Rob Green is. You just never actually knew his name. Uh, Leicester City, they still have Claude Puel as their manager. I think he's a pretty capable coach. He's a, he's a dude, yeah. He is. He looks like Ben Stiller. He does look like Ben Stiller. <laughs> Do a side-by-side comparison, and you'll see that... Uh, or I guess for you American fans, you're fans of politics, he looks like uh, Michael Cohen. <laughs> <laughs> but Lester, I think they'll they'll look to have a good, decent uh, season. To they can finish year. ninth again. Sure. You know, I think they could... I think they're probably going to aim for that, that seventh-place Europa League spot. I don't know if they're going to quite make it. They will have the benefit of having Adrian Silva for the whole season this time. Yeah, he missed out on the first, you know, six months. six months of the season last year after his paperwork was submitted two minutes late. I think it was fourteen minutes. Or fourteen late. minutes late, and that's why he chose the number fourteen on Which his is jersey. Pretty that's funny. Late. And the, yeah. fact that, the fact that FIFA wouldn't allow that appeal to go through just is pretty demonstrative. It's unjust of as an organization. Um, my guess is they're going to struggle to replace the creativity and productivity of Mars in the wing. Although yeah. this might open the door for um, Demare Gray, who true has looked to be promising for the past two years, but hasn't really locked out a place yeah. in the squad. The problem though is like Vardy is now at thirty or over, and he's he's a player who relies heavily on his pace. And so without a player like Mares to take some of the attention away, and who can hit like a really good long ball that Vardy can run on to, I'm not sure how effective he'll be. But you're right, Demarai Gray could really have a breakthrough year, which yeah. would be good for him, good for England, good for Leicester. Move on to Newcastle. Newcastle, who are again, I think we're in the last season of Rafael Benitez's contract. You think so? Which is dangerous. Um, uh, the problem with Newcastle is that they have yet to provide the finances to Benitez for him to do anything significant in, his, in yeah. every single transfer window that he's been a part of for this club. Uh, yeah. The issue this window they they spent about seven million. Yeah. Seven, right eight. on Fabian Schar, who good center back. Good center back from Deportivo. Wow, he's playing yeah. Deportivo. Yeah, yeah. He's Swiss. He was he at the World Cup. Year. He spent one year there. Uh, Kisung Young, who arrived on a free from Swansea, he's a good, decent midfielder with Premier League experience. Kennedy, who was instrumental in keeping them up last season, and Martin Dubravka, who's also a goalkeeper, instrumental in keeping them up last season yeah. from Sparta Prague. The issue I have with Newcastle is I feel like they're they're going to withhold money because they can assume that Rafa Benitez is going to keep them in the Premier League. And once Rafa Benitez goes, they're going to get a mediocre coach who then they're going to back with money because they have to at that point. 
So why not just back Rafa Benitez with money now and get a squad that can be good going forward in the long term? So I think there are two reasons. So Mike Ashley, who's the owner of Newcastle and also the owner of Sports Direct, which is Newcastle's primary sponsor, is notoriously a terrible owner. And there's a huge, like, Mike Ashley out movement. Oh, of course, for fans, years and years. Yeah, fans have been protesting at the games for years. When the, the season that they went down, 2015-16, um, fans were walking out, you know, in a, in a very acrimonious way. And he sort of has run, been running Newcastle like a championship side in that they're signing decent players from relegated sides. You know, Deportivo got relegated last year from La Liga, correct? And... So. I think so, right? And Ki Sung Young is, you know, an above average player for a side that got relegated. And Kennedy, you know, Kennedy's actually a good a good loan signing. He was yeah. important for them. And Dubrovka, you know, they need a keeper, seeing that Tim Krul has now left for the championship, I believe. Yeah. Um, the problem though is like a lot of the players that are leaving are like, you know, important for squad depth. Jack Colback, who was once called the English Pierlo <laughs> or the Ginger Pierlo by yeah. Roy Hodgson. Miko um, Marino, I think, is a big miss for them. Miko Marino, who I think will be a good signing at Sociedad once he I mean, returns he... to Spain. But then on defense, they lose Chancel Mbemba and Masato Haidara. Like, they've brought in a few players, but I feel like the net outflow is just way more damaging to their squad. I think you have a good coach in Benitez who you need to back with the funds yeah. in order for him to get the players that he wants. And he's done. he's been so loyal to this team for literally no reason. Right. He joined them when they were... Already confirmed to be relegated. No, and then stuck with them. They they weren't confirmed to be relegated yet. But he joined them, and then no, he they joined them. They got relegated, and he yeah. stuck with them in the championship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he's a world class manager, or he once was. a He still is manager. a world class manager. I, mean, I think so. That uh, to be repaid in the way that he has been by Mike Ashley has been pretty disgraceful. And it wouldn't and surprise me if this is his last season in Newcastle. Yeah. Right. Okay. Crystal Palace. Crystal. Crystal Palace. Uh, a team with history on this podcast. I think they are in... Oh, boy. <laughs> another team that has spent nothing. I think this is a good time. This is a good time to talk about... So, Crystal Palace, well, the reason we're laughing is because, once again, we are looking at a team who has spent exactly zero dollars or pounds or euros or however you want to look at it. The players, they've No money. Vicente Gaita, who's a goalkeeper from Metafe. Uh, in the Spanish division. He's a good keeper. He's a good keeper. Fine. But let's talk about the fact that the transfer window closes August 9th and we had a World Cup this season. I think we're, we're seeing from this podcast and the fact that we're sort of grasping at straws here, the fact that maybe this wasn't the best call. Yeah. I, I think also the problem is Crystal Palace are just way more focused on keeping uh, Zaha than they are on signing anyone else. Right. You Zaha, know, who's single-handedly... Kept, kept them in. The in. I think, and he looks very, very good yeah. in preseason. And so I think the worst case scenario for them is Zaha gets a deadline day move, and then Crystal Palace just are crying. Like literally, who manages Crystal Palace right now? It's a great question. Ah, oh, it's Roy. Roy. It's Roy. Big Roy. And you know what? Who's gonna be like? You know what? I'm gonna join Roy. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna join Roy without. Because the thing is, this team was pretty. You know destitute last year. Christian Benteke looked a shadow of himself. That's the reason he wasn't called up. Connor Wickham is probably one of their third most promising sort of center striker. They were playing. They played. They have Wayne Hennessy. Flaudits <laughs> <laughs> have been sung uh, on this podcast before. They played their left back. I think, was it Papa Suarez? Yeah, um, it was. Yeah, at striker at one point last year. Okay. I mean, to be fair, 
didn't you want to play Stephen Cocker at striker? Yeah, because we needed to win a game in like the last ninety. No, but the minutes. point is, this squad was like really over reliant on some of their attacking players last year, and they've done nothing to fix that now. Right, Vincent Gaeta, good signing, but he's a keeper. Doesn't really solve any problems. Yeah. I think it's not looking good for Crystal Palace. All right, we're moving on to Bournemouth. Bournemouth. Bournemouth are a team that have done some very, very good business the past two years, bringing in Nathan Ake last summer, which I think was like a very low-profile but important transfer. And Bournemouth are a team that are always full of surprises. This summer, they brought in midfielder David Brooks from Sheffield United for just over £10 million, and defender Diego Rico from Leganes for £10 million as well, both of which are solid signings, not particularly inspiring, but I think it shows how pragmatic Bournemouth are being for the time. You know, I think they're trying to establish themselves as a Premier League outfit who are here for a long time, and then eventually they'll look to splash the cash a little bit more. Um, They haven't really had any major departures, except for Max Gradle, who was Mm. once thought to be, you know, their striker for the future, but who's really had a career been marred by ACL injuries. Yeah, that was so sad, because he could have been really good. Yeah, and they lost Benek Afobi, who's one of those perennial... You know, he's the, the Premier League equivalent of, like, a, a four, a quad A player in baseball. Someone who's too good for the championship, but maybe not good enough for the Premier League. And he's gone to Wolverhampton Wanderers, um, and then he's been loaned out from there. Yeah. So, Bournemouth should look to solidify, you know, a mid-table place again. And then, you know, maybe next season, try for something a little higher. Yeah. West Ham. All right. Should we talk about West Ham? Because I have some words about West Ham. Yeah, t- give me your words. West Ham, West Ham have brought up a deficit this year. They have, they're minus 82 million pounds. They so. have spent the second most in the Premier League besides Liverpool. Yeah. And here is why I think that's dangerous. I, are you guys woke to the, the Ewing effect in basketball? Uh, I think there, there should be an effect in soccer called the Spurs effect. Where it's when you purchase seven or more players from outside of the Premier League and expect them to gel perfectly in their first season. And granted, um, West Ham have signed Lucas Fabianski and Jack Wilshere, who have Premier League experience, Mm -hmm. but they have brought in five players who have no Premier League experience, who do have credibility Andrei Yarmolenko, who's a good um, winger from Borussia Dortmund. He spent last season there. Um, Balbuena, who's from Corinthians. He's a good center back, I suppose. Not to be confused with Valbuena, mm-hmm. the blackmailer. And- yep. Issa Diop, who's a young um, African center back from Toulouse. He's 21 years old. They spent $22 million on him. Um, Ryan Fredericks, who's a very quick defender from the championship, from newly promoted Fulham. And... The transfer that I think West Ham fans are most excited about is Felipe Anderson. Uh, the reason why I'm a bit skeptical about it is because I think if you are at a club like Lazio for five seasons and you are a lauded Brazilian midfielder and you don't do anything in those five seasons to get picked up by a bigger side or even yeah. Juventus, mm-hmm. then I think that's a problem. And I think he has one cap for Brazil. I think that's a bit of an issue. Here's, here's, my, here's my defense of Felipe Anderson. And first of all, he, there was interest in him like a few years ago for Manu. So like he does have, he did have some, but he cost less than Richarlison and I think he's twice the player. 
So from that perspective, I think that makes it, at least on paper, a good signing. The problem is that he's not particularly known for his goal scoring. He's more of a creative player with assisting. And so how much does that help West Ham, who haven't really had like a real set striker? Chicharito didn't do too well. Arnautovic. Arnautovic, but he was like a trans, you know, a transformed winger into a... But he's done well. He scored goals for them. Yeah, and I think, I think the issue that I have most with this side is that they've done it before, where they sign a lot of players and then totally implode. Yeah, you know, what they brought two years was, ago at the at the beginning or the middle to end of the Slavon Bilic era. Yeah, you know, they had Paye, they had Lanzini on loan before that. Well, Fahuli, Gurkhan Torre, like. Yeah. We were, remember that's how I finished like we, 16. We recorded a we were back in the day when we were recording corner kick in the basement of our high school. We did like uh, uh, losers of that season, and one of them were West Ham, who signed Sofian Faguli and Gokan Torre and all of these players who were had a pedigree in European football, but who came and were really disappointing. Andre Ayu. Oh, true. Uh, Ayu was their leading goal scorer last year, I think. No, two, no, no, it was Arnautovic. No, but, it was, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, but either way, they they still have Chicharito. They have Arnautovic. They have the pieces to be the success, successful side. I think Jack Wilshere is a good is a very good free yeah. transfer for them. Yeah. I am skeptical about them bringing in. I am skeptical about the Spurs effect because we saw this with Everton last season, and I fear that we'll see it with West Ham this season. It wouldn't surprise. I think me. we need to go back to good old tradition. Carlton Colt. <laughs> okay, I think last Carlton Cole was playing in like USL, the second division American soccer. Jesus, um, but I think we bring him back. I think that solves our problem. Watford, Watford, Watford have made some sneaky good transfers in my sneaky opinion. Sneaky good. You know, obviously they just got forty million for Richarlison. Um, they've brought in Gerard Delafeu, confirming uh, the purchase after his loan last season. Mark Navarro from Espanol for only $3 million. He's a very solid center back, in my opinion. Bit of an unknown quantity in Adam Messina from Bologna. Ken Sema, uh, a midfielder from Ostersund in the Extralasa in Sweden. Ben Foster from West Brom is a good signing as good well. Keeper. He's a very good keeper. And Herlio Gomes is now, what, 33 or something. <laughs> and Ben Wilmot, a defender from Stevenage. It's kind of it's sad they couldn't keep... Amr Bot, who went to Al Nasser, because he had a pretty good World Cup, and I think he's actually a quality player. He is the wrong side of 30. Yeah. Um, That's true. And at that age, after a World Cup like he had, I think it's understandable why he might want to move for the money. Yeah. Watford. The issue with Watford is I think they have so much turnover, both in coaches and in players, yeah. that it's tough to get continuity. And I think if you, if, if that is the case with your club then I think you're always destined to, even if you have high spots like they did at the beginning of last season when they were in the European places, they have the drop-off because Marco Silva was looking to go to Everton and they had that point where Watford came out publicly and condemned like Everton seeking to get Marco Silva. Yeah. So And then they had um, the Italian manager. Oh, I have no idea. Who managed Inter. Um, oh, Matsari. Matsari, who yeah. came and left. They had, um, so they've just had a bevy of good coaches. Now they have Javi Gracia, who who knows how long he'll stay. Yeah, I think the one thing they have going for them is, I think they underperformed given the quality of their squad last year. For example, I think their team is much better than Burnley. 
and yet they finished right because they have players like Chalaba who are very well, and they have very Ducouré who was one of the best midfielders outside of the top six teams. Etienne Capou and Will Hughes, who you know was supposed to be the star of England, who's turned into like you know perfectly solid. The thing is, I think it's just a hodgepodge of talent. No, yeah, it's it's they've sort of fallen victim to you know what happens when you're a promoted side that stays in the Premier League for one year in that you get more money than you know what to do with. So they sort of spent it on a bunch of above average players. Like Roberto Pereira, who was like a 10 million pound transfer from Juve, but who doesn't really add anything aside from like another body. Yeah. It's true. So we'll see. Kind of hard to evaluate. I mean, they should stay up, certainly, but I don't know what to... Brighton Brighton and Hove Albion. Let's talk about Brighton. Brighton, oh my word. They have signed some players. They have signed Florin... Androne from Deportivo. He's a very good striker. Um, he's young, too. He's only 24. He's young. Is he Romanian? He is Romanian. Yes. Oh. Caleb Rhodes of Romanian descent. Yes. Um, oh, no, but you have to talk about our man. Eves. No. Ali Reza. Yachan Oh, so he is their record transfer. Ali Reza. Jahan, oh Jesus Jahan Bach. Jahan Bach. He is Iranian. You know, it's, it's the K-H-S-H thing. It's, yeah. From, it's Jahan also Bach. like midnight. Um, from Azed Alkmar in the Eredivisie. Nathan Strauss, do you know about this player? I do know about this player. Um, I watched him terrorize the Eredivisie last year at DC <laughs> 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 Fucking... <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell us about Alareza Yahambach? So he was the Eredivisie's leading scorer last year. My, he's, he's a player of some quality. You know, like I think he's a good player. And I think he's a good signing for a team that really struggled to score goals last year. My issue with him is that he's a small winger. Um, <laughs> I, I question um, his adaptability in, for the Premier League. Uh, Eredivisie players are relatively hit or miss. You know, you can have a success like Suarez, and then you can have someone like C.M. De Jong or um, Vincent Janssen, who was also the Eredivisie's top scorer um, before going to Spurs and becoming, you know, ostensibly a flop. So I think if he can keep his form from last season and recover from, you know, a World Cup summer, he's a good signing for them. (sighs) I'm actually most excited for Florin and Doan. Um, and Leon Balgan is also a great transfer for them. He's Richard one of Mainz yeah, he's Richard. one of Germany's top um, young products for defenders. Bernardo too is a good fullback. Yeah, and Bernardo can play on both sides. Right. Um, and you know, their right backs are currently Bruno, who's I think thirty six or thirty seven, and um, Ezekiel Shalato, who's not the most inspiring player by any means. So once again, Brighton making a lot of signings, whether or not any of them amount to much. Is another story. Southampton. Southampton. Talk about a team that three years ago were 
competing for European places and now are struggling to stay in the Premier League. They've just lost their way. Because, and, and the reason why is because other teams have bought their youth players faster than they can produce them. Yeah, I'm going to claim a lot of the responsibility yeah. for the demise of Southampton. Yeah, because you essentially are just Southampton. We are the Southampton. Um, uh, imagine like the alternate universe in which Southampton kept... Sadio Mane, Adam Lallana, Gareth Bale, Chamberlain, Logan Walcott. Like, they could be a very they could be Arsenal. You know, and the thing is, like back in like the Klein. beginning of the Premier League era, like '90s, they would have. Right, they had Matt Letizier, they had yeah. all of these good players. Yeah, but this... they they've done reasonably well in the transfer market. They have signed Yannick Vestergaard, who's a good defender, um, solid, decently young defender. Right. Yeah. From uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach, mm-hmm. um, Elianusi. Who's a good winger from Basel, oh, and Stuart Armstrong, who's a good rotational midfielder from Celtic. He is, um, frankly, quite unspectacular. Yeah, and getting Angus Gunn is a good transfer as well. He's been he was supposed to be the heir to Joe Hart. Um, that was who he was brought up as, and he should be. You know, if we can see his finished product this year in the Premier League. And they have Mark Hughes. He's their manager. He was the former Stoke manager. So I think Southampton are looking to firmly establish themselves back in the mid. Yeah. yeah. And they I also have Jan Bednarek, who was impressive at the World Cup for Poland and mm-hmm. who really came into the scene the last few games. I think yeah. you have to um, pour one out for Sofian Buffal, who were Southampton's record signing. And after one season, he's going on loan to Celtic. One season and had the, the goal of the year. Right. Yeah. But he clearly does not have the quality enough yeah. to play in the Premier I think... My problem with Southampton is I feel like they got rid of all the wrong attacking players, by which I think Dusan Tadic, who's perfectly happy to go and win the Eredivisie with Ajax, was probably one of their best attackers, even though he didn't have the best season. Um, Guido Carrillo, they just never really gave a chance, even though I think he could have helped them a lot. Buffal also, you know, perhaps could have acclimated better in a second season. I'm not sure. But... Whatever. Wolverhampton. Oh, this is exciting. Wolverhampton are going through... Uh, they should just call the Wolverhampton... Portugal B. Los, Lobos. Los Lobos to Wolverhampton. Yeah, because Wolverhampton Wanderers, with their Portuguese ownership, now have as many Portuguese players as Porto, Sporting, and Benfica. They're, they're, to be fair, Sporting have zero players. So, Well, Porto and still having <laughs> as many Portuguese players as... Benfica in um, uh, Porto is nothing to scoff at. Yeah. But they have made some really impressive transfers for being a newly promoted side to the Premier League. And they have an impressive manager in Nuno Espirito Santo. Um, so let's talk about Diego Jota, who's a forward from Atletico Madrid. He was on loan there last season. Tore up the championship. Really tore So this team scored some of the most beautiful goals I've ever seen from the championship last year. They uh, had a they, cheat code in the championship. They really did. It was like turning your FIFA I mean, sliders up to 100. And, and Ruben Neves could be, you know, a PFA player, a team of the season candidate, in my opinion. Hot take. I mean, he was a coup for them when he signed for like 15 million in the championship. Um, and I think he could really be one to watch this season. Either way, Rui Patricio, who they got from a free from Sporting, which is a coup, considering that Patricio is the number one for Portugal. Um, and then Joao Mart- Moutinho for five million for Monaco. Joao Moutinho finally coming to the Premier yeah, League Joao after Moutinho, almost signing for Spurs. Weirdest career paths. He just whereas other Portuguese players come from the Portuguese league to Monaco and then go on to bigger and better things, he just sort of stuck there, you know. And he was a yeah. key part in their side that won the league two years ago. And he's getting old, but he's still a very capable midfielder. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, he probably yeah, he could have hit higher heights as in his career, but he's done fine for himself, and this is a nice way to end it with some of his and, his bros. And Raul Jimenez is a goal scorer for sure. Yeah. Um, and even then, they have Leo, who, who was their striker in the championship, and he scored a lot. Who was their highest scorer last season? So they have they have two things that I like, which is continuity from the championship, and they have new talent to improve in positions where they maybe were lacking. I think they have really good tactics as well. They play a three-five-two. Um, which is, you know, sort of the rage right now in the Premier League. Um, and I think they're pretty tactically adept. And I think they should, you know, look to finish in the top half of the table this year, I which is pretty rare for a promoted team to have those kinds of ambitions. But I think, you know, the investment and the ownership should play a part in that. Cardiff City, I think they have not done enough to prove to me that they can stay in the Premier League. I think their manager is... Um, <laughs> Uh, Neil Warnock, who's not the greatest in terms of keeping teams up in the division. Um, they have only signed players from uh, the lower tiers in the English pyramid. Uh, I don't think there's much to really talk about here when it comes to Cardiff. I think they're a pretty sad replacement for the Welsh side. And they're pretty sad the last time they are in the Premier League. Too. That's true. And they're, they're also a team that's horribly mismanaged. They have yeah. Vincent, you know, Tan. A Vincent Tan. Um, really just a, a, a Disgrace to owners everywhere. And last but not least, a really fun Fulham. team to watch. A team that could be really fun to watch. Wait, they're back. The team of Harry Potter himself, Daniel Radcliffe. Let's talk about the fact that they have Barcelona target Jean Michel Seri. What? Caleb Rhodes, talk to me about Fulham. Fulham? I don't know what draws people to them. London. London, I guess. They, they made some really impressive signings. Remember, this is the team that Clint Dempsey played for. Which maybe put them a little bit on the map in the U.S. They beat Juventus. They beat oh, yeah. Juventus in the Europa League. I mean, don't forget they're also former European finalists. You know, oh at yeah, the turn of the century. No, they they were they were a good team. Seri is an excellent midfielder who last summer was linked with Barcelona and almost went were it not for something came up and it didn't end up happening. But he's he's a very quality midfielder. Played for Nice with Balotelli last year. Um, Another Nice player they brought in and. Maxime Marchand, who should be their starting center back alongside Tim Ream. Yep. Sherla gives them a little bit of quality. Um, and let Sesson Young do his thing without a lot of pressure. You know, yeah. I feel like if you have one, uh, teams would be able to mark him out, especially if he was their only threat on the wing, but having a player like Sherla, who's won a World Cup, he is that sort of pedigree. And has played for Chelsea in the Premier League before. Right, so he knows the division. And this is this this can be, he can view it as like a redemption tour because he kind of hasn't had the greatest last few years and he's back caleb he is back or i think as they said he's staying he's staying 12 goals in 15 games and with one with one assist the tank from serbia alexander mitrovic alexander mitrovic has had another really interesting career and in that he sort of bounced around a little bit after leaving uh Andrelecht. um but he's sort of like a poor man's zlatan ibrahimovic and i say that because he's physical and he's technical, and he can really hit a ball, and his skills with his head are incredible. That being said, he can be very hit or miss. Like, he can go for 10 games without scoring, and then score, like, nine goals in five games. Um, so uh, but I think he's exactly... He's like the poor man's Serbian Giroud. I think he's exactly what this Fulham team needs. So they have that manager, <laughs> Slavisa Djokanovic, who I think... Djokanovic. Djokanovic. No, um, Djokanovic. I think he's a very, very capable manager. I think they've done well in bringing continuity. 
um, forward from the championship. I think they had a good season last season uh, coming up through the playoffs. Uh, and I think Sessegnon is a player to watch out for this season, especially if you are an England fan. I agree. I think it's a big season for him personally because, you know, he's been drawing the attention of top teams for two years now, ever since he debuted as a 16-year-old for Fulham. Um, And they've done well to keep hold of him. It's hard to keep hold of promising English players when you're in the championship. If he can do well this year, perhaps he can keep Fulham afloat. Quickly, your pick to win the league. Wait, guys, I have a very sad announcement to make. I believe we have forgotten a team. Oh, we have? We forgot to talk about Huddersfield Town. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> David Wagner, the one U.S. And maybe, manager in the Premier League. I think, How could we forget? Okay, and I will say, maybe the only interesting thing about Huddersfield Town is the fact that they had two players named Rob Green leave their, <laughs> leave their team this year, both of whom play goalkeepers. Holy shit. Yeah, what the fuck? How are you not telling me how much Eric Durham cost? I really like that is like undisclosed. That's I think top it was secret like info. Million. It was like I, don't, I can't. I okay, can't know. So maybe maybe that says all you need to know about Huddersfield is that we forgot about them, and mm-hmm. maybe you should forget about them. Nathan Strauss, what can we look forward to on CornerKickMedia.com? CornerKickMedia.com. We're gonna have some uh, previews of various leagues going up in the near future. The Community Nick. Shield is coming up. We'll it's have true. a preview for that. Premier League is coming back. Caleb Rhodes, I think he has written a great article about Barcelona, which everyone should go check out, the fact that they have a little bit more tactical flexibility to play with this season. Um, Nathan Strauss has written a great article about Real Madrid and where they go from here. Um, I think we'll have a more sort of formal written preview of the Premier League coming up soon. The Community Shield is coming up. We'll have a preview of that. And hopefully um, some MLS content, perhaps, coming out soon. Yes, we're coming to crunch time in MLS, so... We'll have some content, and Zlatan Ibrahimovic is lighting things up, and Joseph Martinez, so there's a lot of talking points. Alfonso Davies. Yep. It's true. It's a pretty interesting year in MLS, believe it or not. Actually, that's the article that I'm currently working on, is why the Bundesliga is the best league for youngsters to develop in. Great. So there's a lot of stuff to be looking forward to. Um, We look forward to you joining us this season. Um, Make sure to like all of our pages and follow all of our pages. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter, at Corner Kick Media. Um, check back for updates. So like our page to make sure that you're staying in the know. And if you want to buy gear, laptop stickers, sweatshirts, shirts, throw pillows. Cases, laptop stickers are really good and they're running very cheap. You can check us out on Redbubble through our shopping link on our Facebook page. Right. So, thank you so much for listening. We hope this gave you a better sense of the Premier League season as their transfer window is about to close. And, yeah, it's been great. So, whoever you may support, Godspeed, good luck. This has been Corner Kick. Check back into Corner Kick Media. We out. <laughs>